We're going to be concluding our series entitled Complete. For the last several weeks, we've been having a conversation about what it means to be complete. And we've talked about this idea of complete or whole is something that's important to us. When Jesus said, you should be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect, he was talking about being complete, being mature, being fully developed. It's not a matter of lack of, you know, fault or failure. It's about being fully who you were supposed to be. And the first week we talked about how important it is to recognize that God has created us with intention. He has created you to be someone. Who that is, well, you should know you're you. You have the inside line on who God has created you to be. But we're all different. You've all heard, you know, every snowflake is different. I don't know how they know that's true, but I think it is because they can't examine every snowflake. But we do know every human being is different. Oh, yeah, you might have people that look similar or act similar, but everyone is different. And there are characteristics that make up who you are that no one else in the world has that God has designed specifically into who you are. Everything from the genetic makeup to the color of your eyes and hair to your height to your bone structure. All those things are a part of you and God made it with intention. And if we do not fulfill who we are supposed to be, then we are not complete. And it's not a matter of there's just one specific mold. You are free to live this life, but you need to live it to the full and what God has intended you to be. And then we spoke about how many times the way to this completion is unfortunately through the way of adversity. We talked about how James says that we will go through many trials and we're to count it joy because through those difficulties we endure and we develop perseverance and that perseverance has its complete perfected work in us. And the only way we grow, unfortunately, is through difficult times. I wish it wasn't so. I wish I could change it, but you just can't. That's the way it is. And so those things that happen to you, those things that hurt you, those things that scar you, those things that leave imprints in your life are actually tools that are used to perfect you, to make you complete. And and you can resist them and you can fight against them and you can try and pretend they don't exist or else you can allow them to be things that actually shape you into a better human being. The choice is yours. But we need to allow those things to have a perfect work in us and to produce something that is enduring in us. Last week I talked about the importance of being whole isn't about what we get, but it's about what we give. That to be a complete human being, it's more about being able to bless than just being blessed. And even Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we see how something special happens within us when we actually are generous people. 
they found that generous people actually live longer. What would that have to do with the longevity of life? Well, it has to do with your actually living. And it helps produce that longevity of life. And so you see people who are generous, they're healthier. People who are greedy or people who worry a lot, they don't live as long. They they don't live as healthy. Why? Because the quality of your life is connected to the author of life. And the author of life has given and has given us an example that we too should give. And today I'm going to be talking about something that's a little bit more difficult. See, because all these other things have to do a lot with us. Us accepting the responsibility that God has created us with intention. Us to go through those difficult things well, to learn from them. Or us to be a people that learn how to be generous and giving. But this last one has less to do with us and has more to do with others. You see, because the truth is, for you and I to be complete, we need other people in our lives. And that's just hard, because now your completion, your wholeness, is dependent on someone else. And that's a little scary. And it's been that way from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when God had created Adam, and after he had created all the animals and he brought all the animals to Adam so that he could name them, it says that there was not anyone who was like him, Adam. In verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And the idea is corresponding to him, like him. I will make someone who is like him. And so from the beginning, even before sin had entered into the scene, Adam was incomplete. He needed someone else. Now he needed a person, and this is someone who is there for him in more of a a marriage sense, in this uniting of a man and a woman But it's true for everyone. Even if you're not married, you still need other people. And turn with me to Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul is dealing with a lot of racial tension between the Jews and the Greeks. And here is a church in Rome that had been predominantly filled with Greek people, but now that the Jews had been coming in, they were having to get along with one another. An interesting note is Paul talks more in his writings about unity than he does about justification. He talks more about people getting along with one another than he talks about a person, quote, being saved or not, which I think is interesting because that's not the way we look at the scriptures. We're, we're all about the justification and unity has suffered. But here in verse 3 of Romans chapter 12, he says, For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. And so there's supposed to be this sober judgment that takes place with each of us. What is this sober judgment? Verse 4, he continues. 
For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do all have the same functions, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we all have many members to our body, but they each have different functions. Sober judgment is to recognize that you are a small part of something that is much bigger. And so when he says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, his saying here is that don't think that you stand alone. You stand on the shoulders of someone else. Don't think that you can get by on your own. You are dependent on someone else just like your body is. You think, okay, I'm fine, I I can live on my own. Well, it's like your body. Well, can your body live without a heart? No. Or without your lungs? No. Or without legs? Well, you can live, but you can't get by very good. I've had this sore throat since I came back from Mexico, and I had this virus. It wasn't contagious and it wasn't strep throat, but it was killing me. And I wasn't able to eat and enjoy food. I wasn't able to drink coffee because it hurt. I had to drink tea for the last week. It's been a living hell. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and you don't realize just how much your throat and your taste buds are affecting your whole life until they're gone. And then they're serving pizza and you don't get to enjoy it the way you know you should because you're eating these lozenges to help numb the pain. One little thing cripples you. You know, you have a splinter in your foot. It's You can't even see it. But man, you would swear it's this big when you're going, man, I got a splinter and you're just hobbling along. It's just this little thing. Don't think that you stand alone. And in your life with God, don't think that you can stand alone. You need other people in your life. That's what makes up the body of Christ. He says in verse 5 that each member belongs to all the others. Everyone belongs to someone else. And, And you see, as difficult as people are, they are necessary. It's so hard sometimes getting along with other people. I know if you've ever worked in a group situation where you had to kind of brainstorm, if anyone has been in a band, musicians, they're they're the worst. You know, I mean, you, you get the whole band together and everyone's got an idea of what the song looks like. Well, no, I think it should be here. I think we need to build it at this point. No, no, I don't want it to go there. I want, And you got all this input. But you see, that's what makes uh, Lennon-McCartney, you know, that's what adds those things. You know, I I remember hearing a a talk, I think it was 
Paul McCartney was talking about, you know, we're doing, it's getting better all the time. And then John just said, it couldn't get much worse. You know, and he was like, that was perfect for the song. And that was his little two cents that just made the song. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know, it's a good song. (laughs) Those little things add the little spice of someone else in your life that contributes to where you can't. And we need to recognize that we each belong to one another and that someone is able to contribute to your life things that are lacking. And if you don't welcome that, and if you don't see that, you will be a loner. And more importantly, you will not be complete. You will not have the life that should be had by you. It will not be fulfilling because something will be missing. We need one another. When criminals, hardened criminals, are locked away, if they want to really put them in a hard place, they put them in solitary confinement. Because if they're left alone, that's what will really make them crazy. And many of you have seen a person who's on the street. Maybe they've got some mental issues and they're struggling through mental illness. And people who are even by themselves, you see them talking to themselves. Why are they talking to themselves? Because they need someone else. And if no one else is there, they will manufacture someone else to be there because it gives them some sort of solace. It is a necessity in our lives. And so, if it is something that we need, shouldn't it be something that we welcome? Well, we welcome it because it can produce something more for us. It's helpful when you see something and someone contributes to you. Open up to Acts chapter 18, verse 24. We see an example of this. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. We see this small section of scriptures that talk about this man named Apollos. And all we know about Apollos is that he was a great orator. He was a gifted speaker. But this is where it starts in Acts 18, verse 24. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. In this small section, we see this one man. He's gifted. He's a good communicator. 
and he's bold. He's got a lot of things going for him, but he is limited in his knowledge. And so here comes alongside him Priscilla and Aquila, names that are familiar that Paul talks about. These are Paul's fellow travelers. They're fellow tent makers that worked with Paul and helped Paul as well. And they help Apollos understand things more fully. So now he has a broader understanding and the ability to do even more. And not only that, is that they sent word ahead so that he would be received and welcomed. You see, it's by these other people that this man was able to do so much because they spoke out for him. His ability to communicate effectively was enhanced by these other people who gave him more understanding and who sent good word ahead to him. How much more could be done if someone was in your corner speaking for you or helping you to understand more fully? How much could you contribute to someone else if you would speak up for them or help them in their understanding? Well, maybe you don't know more. You can't give them understanding, but you could put in a good word for them. How many of you have jobs because someone put in a good word for you? Anyone? See the hands? A lot of us have jobs because someone spoke up for us. The only reason I train dogs is because of my cousin. She put in word for me so I could go and learn how to train dogs. I don't know why I'm here as pastor. No, no. <laughs> you see, someone spoke up for you and said, hey, give them a chance, and then you were able to take the opportunity because of someone else. That's true with us as believers. We need help from one another. A timely word from a friend makes all the difference. You know, What we need are people who can really speak into our lives, people who know us, people who can help us. People who don't just put up with us or, or, you know, give us the fluff stuff that, you know, we like to hear. Those of you who are married, you know that your husband or wife many times will tell it like it is. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's probably what you need to hear at times. You know, it's like, well, I need this. Well, you should just get over it. Well, thanks, babe. You know, I was hoping for something a little subtler. But actually, that's what I needed, just to get over it. Just deal with it. Maybe you shouldn't have acted that way. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted you to be on my side. Well, I think you were a little harsh. Oh, okay. I guess that's what I need to hear. Maybe you shouldn't eat that pizza. Maybe you should mind your own business. Uh, Maybe you're right. Maybe I shouldn't eat that pizza. See, we need voices in our lives to help us, to give us accountability, to give us responsibility. But something is difficult in this because I can deal with my own failures and I'm very gracious to myself in my shortcomings but having to trust someone else for my wholeness is a little frightening 
there are a number of people who I, I'm talking with right now who have gone through some incredible hardships because of other people, whose husbands have left them, divorced them. Here was someone I, I trusted to complete my life, and now they have abandoned me. And it's a risky thing to trust someone else. Paul even said that Alexander, the blacksmith, caused him much harm. And the metal worker did a great deal of harm to him, but the Lord will repay him for what he has done. In Second Timothy, he says that. And so by opening himself up to others, it allowed others to have also a negative influence. And I think so many times we're afraid to trust. We're afraid to look for that completion because we have been hurt. Because I have been wounded. Because someone has spoken to me and, and hurt me. Because someone has maybe abandoned me. Because someone has abused that trust that was there. And, and I have been left deficit because of that thing. And, and it's left this scar in my soul that now I have to get over. And now the only way that I can get over it is to trust someone again. And that's hard. But you see, that's what's necessary. The healing won't come if you don't trust again. The wholeness won't be there unless you love again. The completeness that our lives need will not take place unless you are vulnerable yet once again. And you say, but I can't. It it, it hurt too much. I understand. But it's going to hurt ongoing if you don't trust and love again. It will hinder your life from growing if you don't love and you don't trust again. Oh, you've learned and you're wiser because of it. And you might not give your heart away so easily and you might be a little bit more cautious and maybe in some good ways. But if you don't surrender to the fact that you need other people, you will be a shell of who you should be. And it's the hard truth that we need to understand that we are part of one another and that we need each other, that we are not complete unless we have other people in our lives. And how we welcome it into our lives, it's up to us. We have to be responsible in what we do. But we have to do it. We have to do it, and we have to give of ourselves. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. And he's talking about those areas of service. You see, we function as a community because we trust people. We are here this morning because we trusted that they would put the sound system up and set the chairs up and have coffee and donuts for you out there. Some some people are doing that. We need that to function as a community as well as you need people to function as an individual. But if we 
don't take the responsibility that we have towards others and that we need others to ourselves, then this will also suffer. The hardest thing to find in areas of ministry and service isn't talent, it's faithfulness. It's people who will always show up. People who will take it upon themselves to be responsible and say, you know, yeah, I can't be there, but I'll make sure someone is and get it covered. I mean, aren't you thankful that people are there every week taking care of the babies? If you have a baby, you are. I'm thankful. Because otherwise they'd be in here. And I'm thankful they're not. Love them, but I'm thankful they're over there. See, I'm thankful for the people who are faithful to do those things. And so this idea now of, of a church community is just a, a expansion of what's supposed to be happening with us individually. As individuals, you need to have other people in your life and you need to be there for other people in their lives. And, and as a community, we need other people to help build the community and you need to be there to help the community build. We need you. You're important to this community. You know, some of you don't realize it, but if you don't show up, you're missed. You might think, oh, I'm not missed. No one misses me. I can remember when Karina and I were just dating. I remember when she didn't show up. Because <laughs> I was looking for her. It's like, oh, she's not here. Man. You see, I, sometimes I went because she might be there. Just saying, okay? Just throwing that out there. Say, oh, no one's here for me. Well, you don't know. They might be coming looking for you. And if you're not here, who knows what could have happened. Some people are just looking for that friend that they could talk to. You're the one person who was friendly to them. And they're hoping you're there again because, oh, yeah, he was there last weekend. He, he said hello to me, and I know his name. And that's the only name I know in the whole community. You don't know the difference that you make, but if you think you make no difference, you do. You don't know how bummed I get some Mondays waking up when there's a low attendance here on a Sunday. It happens. I'm just being honest. If I come here and there's only like 40 people, I'm like, oh, God, it's over. <laughs> you know, it's done. And I'll, I'll, Corrine sit there and she's like, knows I'm all bummed out. You know, what's wrong? There's no one there. What if they don't come again next Sunday? What if it's over? This is it. We had a good run, six years. I guess maybe now it's over. And I have this Monday blues. And all you did is say, it feels comfortable. I think I'll skip church this morning. You don't know what trauma you put me in. <laughs> you matter. You know, people always ask, how many people go to your church? I go, I don't know. They're never there at the same time. <laughs> they always show up at different times. Today's Super Bowl Sunday, so who knows? Who's not making it? It is Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yeah. It's been a long week. 
See, we are necessary for each other. You're necessary for someone. And if you don't see that, you're going to fall short of what you need to be. And you need other people. And if you don't see that, you'll fall short of what's necessary for someone else. You fulfill that in someone else's life and someone else needs to fulfill that in your life. And that's not just in a romantic level. This is as friends. We need people. A friend of mine who's in a rehab center, I was talking to him yesterday. And he has a counselor that he talks to on a regular basis. And his counselor was telling him, you know, when a lot of you people who come in to these kind of centers, rehabs, there's a lot of honesty that takes place. You guys who are dealing with drugs, you have no problem saying, yeah, man, I've been doing meth and I've been, you know, huffing and I've been doing all this stuff and I need help. And you're just there. You're honest. He says, the people who have the hardest time are the Christians. This is his counselor saying, the Christians are the ones who are the most dishonest because they don't like to show that they really lack and that there is a problem in their life. And so they keep it hidden. They keep it covered. They don't talk about their struggle. They don't talk about their fault. Well, man, I'm having a problem with drinking. Oh, man, I'm having a problem with meth. What? You're having a problem with meth? Yeah, I am. Deal with it. Oh, I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with this. What? You gamble? Yeah, I am. Can you deal with it? And we have a a problem being honest because we're worried about what people are going to think. In the place where honesty should be welcomed the most, in the place where this idea of wholeness and necessity of needing each other should be embraced the most, there's this tendency to cover it up because we want to put on a good face. I really don't care about the image. I care about what's genuine. I can't help an image, but I can help someone who is genuine. And if you're genuine with me, then I can offer some assistance. If you put up a a front, I can't help that. And I can't be helped as well. But here again is the difficulty. Here again is the hardship of, of trusting someone with my secrets and with the things of my weakness and hoping that they won't trample them and spread them like gossip. Trusting that they will be there for me and that I can be there for them. And that's why we have to be wise who we speak to. But you need to speak to someone. Think of people who are struggling. If they would have just spoken up months ago, years ago, before the train wreck happened, Maybe we could have spared some lives here. Maybe we could have spared some damage if if you just said you needed help. Maybe we could have been there for you. If you would have been honest with me, I could have held you like a brother and supported you like a friend. If I would have known. But if you won't let me know, I can't help. And if I can't trust you, then I won't get the help I need. And so this is a difficult one because I want to be whole, but I'm fearful. A friend of mine, two years ago, son, committed suicide. 
They say the worst thing you can experience is the loss of a child. And I think it's only compounded if that loss is by suicide. And he has a blog that talks about living with grief, one father's journey, and his blog is honest. I mean, some people will read it and go, oh man, I don't know if that was good. Sometimes it's just honest. The words are honest, they're raw. Sometimes he's cussing in there because that's the only words he has to express how he's feeling. But it's powerful to hear some of the things coming from his life. And I want to share with you something that he wrote just this last week. It says, thank you. I have endured suffering with some measure of resiliency. I have emerged from brokenness. And from the darkest night, I have lifted myself and walked into the light. And it is in no small measure due to the love of family and friends. They say, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But that isn't true. Grief struck me down and shattered me. But what made me stronger was your tears with mine, was your kind words, was your prayers, was your hugs, was your love. And nothing but this sustained me. When the sharpest pain of grief stole the last of my sanity, when I could not sleep or breathe, it was the kindness of people, your kindness, I have endured suffering and with some measure of resiliency. And for that, I will owe you my gratitude. The only thing that kept him were other people that cried with him, that held him, that prayed for him, that cooked for him, that spoke to him, that wrote to him. Nothing made sense but there was this other thing that when he wasn't able to stand, was able to stand for him. And to be whole, you need someone who can stand with you. You need someone who can stand there for you. And you need to be there for someone else. And so here's the bottom line with this idea of completeness and the need for other people and and this awkward tension of just having to deal with other people and then being there for other people. If you have no one in your life, you need to open up and get someone in your life and it needs to be someone good. There are people who are toxic who you need to get out of your life who are destroying your life. And they're not the people you need. They are sucking life out of you. They are using you and they are taking what they can from you and discarding you. And you know those kinds of people because they've been in your life before. Get rid of them. They're not going to help you. They're not the people you need. What you need are people who genuinely care for you, who don't want something from you, but who want to be there for you. And they might not... Be unlikely people. But they are the people who will pray for you. They are the people who will come alongside you and give you that hard but good advice, who will tell you, knock it off, you're being stupid. 
And you need to receive that sometimes. Grow up. Get over this. You can do better. They're the people who will be your friends through the thick and the thin. And they're the people who you can go to when you are broken and cry on their shoulder and they will be there for you. You need to find someone like that. And hopefully you can find someone like that in our community. That's what this is supposed to be, a body. Here's the other side of the coin. You need to be that for someone else. And if you are not the friend who can, they can go to, who they can tell their brokenness to, that you are the person who will pray for them, that you are the person who will be there and answer that phone when you don't want to, but you know you need to. When it's three in the morning and it's like, oh, what are they calling for? Will you be that friend? The person who will be there for someone else. Because you are needed and you need somebody. And if we are going to be whole as human beings, we need to recognize God has created us with intention to be somebody that the world needs. It's going to cost us to be that person. We are going to go through difficulties. It's going to be sacrificial. You're going to have to give of yourself. And to be that person, you are going to need someone in your life. You are going to need multiple people in your life that you can pour your heart to and that people can pour their hearts to you. We need one another. The greatest commandment Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, it's easy. I'd rather just love God because people drive me crazy. It's all about the people. Don't tell me you love God who you haven't seen when you can't love people who you can see. Let's be the kind of people that recognize we need each other Let's be the kind of people that can be there for each other. Let's mature to the place where we can be useful to someone else. If you've been a person who has always been pouring out, always needing, turn the table, okay? Start water that friendly tree, okay, the friend tree. I'm going to give back, and I'm going to be the kind of person that you can trust. I'm going to be the person who's there for you and not just the person who is always there. And so let's be the kind of people who recognize we need people and recognize we need to be the people that others can depend on. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about this subject of, of needing one another, there's nothing more no picture more clearly that expresses the importance of this than the communion table. Lord, you gave yourself for us. You said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat it. And as you eat it, you proclaim my death until I return. This is my cup, my blood poured out for you. Drink this. And as you drink this, Lord, we are remembering what you have done. But Lord, 
this table isn't just about our communion with you and about forgiveness that we have because of the cross, because of what you've done for us. This table is about our unity as a body. Lord, we are one not only with you, but with one another. And Lord, as you have given of yourself in this so deep and so just intimate way, Lord, it is to be an example of how we give ourselves to one another. And Lord, I pray that this morning unity would take place in our hearts, not only with you, but with each other. That we would recognize, God, we need each other, especially times like today with the hurts that we feel now, with the struggles that we are going through or that we know our friends are going through. Lord, we need each other more than ever. Lord, this table represents that that you have knit us together by your blood and your body. That we are now members of the same body because of what you have done. We're going to partake of communion and the way this is going to happen, we have the elements at both tables on the side. As Alex is singing, you can come up and take the bread, you can dip it in the juice, and then you can go back to your seat and take it, or if you want, you could take it there at the table. But I want you to be aware that when Paul reprimanded the church in Corinth for not taking and acknowledging the Lord's body, it wasn't because they weren't living holy enough lives. It's because of how they were treating one another. And he says, you dishonor the Lord's body because you don't care for one another. This table doesn't just represent the body of the Lord. It represents what he has done to make us family and so whatever struggles you're having come here and allow the death of christ to be health for your soul and allow it to bring us together as a family that's the intention it's meant to bring us to one another and so as alex is singing come up take the bread dip it once into the juice you can partake it there or you can go back to your seat and understand what this is doing is bringing us together in Christ as a family. Father, bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you Jesus' words. In John 17, he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. That's Christ's prayer for us, that we would be perfectly one. 
And I pray that the Lord would make us one, even as he is one, that we would recognize that unless we are united, that we are indeed divided, not only as individuals, but as a community. May the Lord knit our hearts together as brothers and sisters, as family, that care for each other, not just in word, but in deed, that we would love even as he loved, that we would care enough to involve our lives with those that are hurting around us and allow that hurt to hurt us, that we would cry with those who cry, that we would rejoice with those who rejoice, and that we would allow the love of Christ to be seen in us. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. You want to close in the last song? Yeah. Yeah, let's stand. Let's sing together one more time. Jesus Messiah. Just sing one, two, three together. Jesus Messiah.